From the backwoods and the swamp waters of the Sunshine State, and all across America and the world, this is The Big and Wild Outdoors. With your host, Braden Gunn, Jonathan Swindle, and Glenn Kinman. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Big and Wild Outdoors. Hour number two, number two is uh, Braden Gunn, Carlos, and uh, Schreiner in the house today. Bill George is out in the woods running around around Avon Park. He's got a bunch of kids out there. They're going to go out and try to get some alligators, get out there and get a few of them lizards in the boat. Uh, Jonathan uh, has got to do, do the husband thing today because his uh, wife's birthday and... Uh, He's not going to disappoint Lori, or he'll lose a limb. Happy so, birthday, Lori. Yeah, so uh, they're out there uh, having a good old time, and uh, everybody else is here. Shriner's supposed to be out on uh, out uh, at least sleeping in a little bit more today, and then uh, you guys are supposed to have a ride uh, later this yeah, afternoon. Yeah, supposed to be uh, just now throwing a leg over the bike to go meet up with the crew, and then they were going to. They're doing the Ozella Trail, which is uh, like if you go up past Wikiwachi, it's over there on the. Um, there's if you look it up you'll find it. There's yeah. a there's a fish shack out there. People like to go and get a bite to eat. And sure. There's some, some real twisty roads back there. Uh although uh there have been a lot of sport bikes doing it lately and they get a little they're a little more uh, aggressive. Yeah, than than most of us. And uh that has brought out a lot of police officers lately. So they're they're looking for that behavior. And sure. Do you, you want to know what I was gonna do today? Uh go scuba diving? Uh, absolutely not. Why? Whatever. What um, were you What were you planning on doing today, Carlos? I I thought I might slip into the woods in the management area because I think the bucks are going to be rutting. Oh, you think in fake spring? Area. What in do you my, think? In my fake area, spring? you know, my my Polk County. Yeah. You know, uh, surrounding Polk County. Why are you being so elusive? Just tell us what the heck you're going to be doing. You're going to go out and try to shoot a deer. I, well, yeah, you know, I, I think. Don't be afraid. The end of the month, you know, around this time, they start, you know, getting a little crazy. We so. talked about that last week. Uh, Bill I, George I did, said I that. Didn't, uh, I didn't listen. Oh, so. well, thank, thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for caring. So, I slept uh, in, man. I'm sure you did. But uh, Bill George was actually uh, talking about that, that out here in his neck, your neck of the woods. Yeah. That they were starting to show signs of the rut, and they were out there uh, chasing does and having a good time. It's, it's going to be a good time to be there. Yeah, it's a good time to get lucky. And you don't have to be there at the crack of dawn. You just kind of slip in in the morning and just be patient. Make it easy on yourself. Just kind of stay there all day. And we and we don't have to pack out 600 pounds for sure. And I hunt close to the road. so Yeah, you know, it's, it's amazing because I know Bill George every year puts in for his little quotas and things like that. But uh, before the uh, top of the hour break, we were talking with Shriner about what it's like to get out on the, on the island to get a Zanbar stag. Yeah, St. Vincent Island. Yeah, St. Vincent. And uh, if you don't know what that is, I'm sure you're new to the show because – it's an island that you have to apply to get out to, but yet once you get there, there is no, there's no motor vehicles. There's no way of getting around. And plus getting to the island is, is a pain in the butt in itself. You yeah, got to hire somebody to yeah, get we, you there. We, that, that, well, I don't have a boat, so we hire a captain to, to bring us out. And, because you, know, you can't just drop a boat in there and then go uh, take yeah, it over yeah, there, you can. can you? Yeah. Oh, okay. If you have your own boat, you can. But, of course, you know, when it gets a little rough, there were boats that were, there were got flooded. You know, people have their smaller Carolina skiffs or whatever. Sure. And if the waves come in a little rough on one side of the island, one side of the island's harder to get to. 
um, the one where the most of the hunting is. And traditionally, the deer had been at that end of the island. Uh, How far away offshore is this island? Well, it, it, uh, from the closest point, not even half a mile. Okay. However, that's the side where the fewer deer are, and you have that's where you end up with like a five or six mile bike ride in the morning when you're trying to get to your stand. That's like the first hundred yards off of any trail in the uh, management areas. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and by the way, it's important of where you camp and how far you have to go to get to where you want to put your stand in. And we can go over all this. I can start at the top and work it down. But That is true. You're allowed to camp while you're there. Right. And it's, by the way, that's the only time you can. There are, to my knowledge, only three hunts on that island. Mm -hmm. Each one is three days. There's one three-day sandbar hunt and two three-day whitetail hunts. And that's it on the entire island. And you're allowed to go on Wednesday, set up camp, you, uh, you check in, they, every, everybody gets a flag, you put your name on it, because when you're going down the road, you decide my, my stand is going to be off this side of the road, you put your flag there, people are supposed to respect it, give you some space. Uh-huh. They don't always do that, especially if they're coming from the other side and they didn't see your flag. They sure. know you're on top of each other. But that's always a problem out in the woods. So you set that up, but they even say in our, in our post you know, Wednesday meeting, and you hunt Thursday, Friday, Saturday for sandbar deer. It's from sunup until 3 p.m. If they hear a shot after 3 p.m., they're pissed because the deer are heavy. They're hard to get out. It's a multiple-person effort. They will pick it up and throw it in their truck and bring it back to camp, but you have to get it to the road. If you do it after 3 o'clock, it could be middle of the night before you get it out. Yeah. So that's that's their cutoff. They also don't want you walking or riding your bikes in like a half hour before sunrise. So say sunrise is at 6.30, you better not be on the roads moving at 6 o'clock. They want everybody with their butts in their in their stands or whatever they're doing. And then you can't move until I think it's 8.30 or 9 or 10. You're not allowed to get up and walk around. It doesn't make any sense because, you know, you think, you know, deer are smart. And so they would learn the pattern so they know. But it's only, three, right, it's only three days a year. I, I understand, but even the ones that left over, they know that there's a certain time they go, oh, you know, they're still in the stands right now, so here's the time to start moving around. Yeah, well, wait till and, after, well, 3.30 is a good yeah, time. 3 but, yeah, 3.30, we'll just hang out and hide out here until 3.30. That's when the northern hunters would do well because we would sit all day. Yeah, sit so there. I've well, actually, I've I actually like the fact that I grew up hunting up in New York in the Catskill Mountains, you know, in, in, um, in that area. And then I've learned how to hunt down here, so I think it's made me a better outdoorsman. When I find a spot that I want to sit on for Shut these sandbar Braden. deer, yeah, Braden's, Braden's giving him, he's shaking him off <laughs> like, a, like a pitcher shaking off the catcher. He has a picture. It he's, hasn't helped at all. Listen, stupid. I like the fact that they have everybody still for a certain number of hours in the morning. If I, sure, if that I way pick nobody's my, walking in on right. you. Right, yeah. and then I don't mind a little bit later when they get up and start moving around, they might push something on me that's exactly. better down. I don't, so I'm okay with that, and I and. For Let me, the impatient guys do the work for you. It's my zen moment. I like being in a tree stand. I flip and love it. So mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm up there at five five thirty in the morning and I don't get down until three o'clock, that's a that's good all day good for, for me, me. Yeah. dude. I, I my heart my heart your blood pressure blood is like pressure yes, and heart rate super is low. like super low. Like, 50 what, what beats you, per minute. What'd you yeah, do? Doop, I climbed doop. a tree and sat there for like nine hours. And I could have slept for 12. I would like that. Yeah. I would like Listen, that. Listen, and, and by the way, with the tree stand, if I position myself right, it's a nice nap, too. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, I got to ask you, you said during the meeting. So when uh, everybody gets there, the chosen few who right. make it to the island, uh, the is it done by the Parks Department or FWC? FWC who makes is the, out there, yeah. Okay, so when they get everybody... 
Can I get everybody here? You have to have a certain time. Then you can disperse to your campsite. Well, here's here's what they do. It's like when you show up on the island, you right. you immediately go and you have to check. You can you bring your gear and drop it. Everybody just finds a campsite. Every you see where people have camped in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, during this period, these these four days, three times a year, three day hunt, but you have one day to set up. Uh, they fires allowed or not? Or, I mean, oh, yeah. you, you can yeah, use you, firewood you, you, from you, there, or do you yes, have to from, okay. uh, from there? Or you can. Some people bring in those little orange bagged whatever. Sure, yeah. They'll allow that, but they really. I mean, you know how it is. You start bringing in stuff, and it gets to be a problem, and yeah. you transfer bugs and all that. So, so it I, turns I, into Bill George's turkey yeah, camp. I yeah. would be that buddy that allows you to bring the generator. Because I have a CPAP machine, but oh, that I need to use. yeah, but you don't nowadays. Long they got, you have to get the right medical permissions, then they may do. They may or may not do that. Yeah, they have yeah, the electric have generators the now. You don't even have. Uh, it's not even gas powered. So, well, but the whole idea is I'm to just keep saying. it primitive. So there's one day to sure. set up, and then three days to hunt. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and you have to be off the island by like 11 a.m. on Sunday because they all want to go home. Um, so what <laughs> they do is camping. when yeah. you get there and you drop your stuff, you have all day Wednesday, you have to immediately go and check in. They check your, 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 your pass, your right. permit. They yep. make sure you're on the list. They give you your flag and they say, all right, you go because you're allowed to at that point, you can go do whatever you want on the Island. They say the meeting is going to be at say 5 PM meeting at 5 PM. It is mandatory. Everybody must be here. Now there's two, there's the two sides of the Island. They do that on, they're holding it in two sides. The side that I went on the first time was the less used, and we had to travel further to get to where we thought the deer would be. Mm-hmm. Trust me, we were had not been on the island before. We were studying every satellite image we could get our hands on. Oh, I'm sure. Because uh, we know that sandbar deer are a lot like, uh, uh, they're, they're elkish, but they're, 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 they like water plants. They're like psycho deer. Yeah. So they, they, they get in there with that like water. water. Yeah. yeah. Now, And I'll tell you why this year... Our plan that would have worked in the previous year didn't work. We'll get to that. But so they have that meeting. <laughs> well, it's Hurricane Michael. Oh, yeah. Well, that screwed everybody's plans well, up. But. Yeah, because when that happened, by the way, some deer got off the island during that hurricane. They were finding them on the mainland, which has never happened before. It's Couple, time to get out. Yeah. It's only a half hour away. Let's go. They got blown off. <laughs> so Man, we don't even need to with, hire with, a captain. With, yeah, the, really. with the hurricane, it pushed so much salt water up onto the island and into some of the wetlands. It destroyed the water plants that the deer went after. So where we were like on, our, would first, hide in. on our first hunt, which was t- uh, two years ago, we like, okay, now we know where to go. We got a better idea. We planned it. We made sure we got there. We were one of the first ones on the islands. So we could get there and put our flags down where we wanted. Then we find out later, oh, the water plants are not as, pro- you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's less here. So they, the deer have moved. And so that was our problem. Then last year we didn't get to go because of Hurricane Michael. They canceled that hunt and the whitetail hunt in January. And then so they had those this year. They just rolled everybody over. So there was no application phase for 2019 because everybody in 2018 got rolled over. Mm. So this year it'll be the uh, first time in a couple of years. So that means nobody got preference points last year either. So here's the way that works. You, you apply for it like you do anything else, and you can build up preference points to improve your chances. So you can go on to uh, MyFWC and look for it and uh, pull it up on the... Yep, I'm looking at the put license. Put in sandbar stag, yeah. and then go... You do it just like you would for any other hunt that requires a permit. There's a sure. $5 uh, fee to apply in Phase 1, non-refundable. If you get drawn, the permit fee is only $37.50. That'd be nice. Right. And if you don't get drawn, which seems well, to be and the here's, case here's what happens. for a lot of people... They only do 200 and it's there's no guests, there are no exceptions, nothing. You're drawn or you're not. 
Yeah. How so many my, how many people apply per year? Oh, I don't know how many apply. Probably thousands. A couple so, thousand. Probably. Right. Yeah. So it took my brother and I three times, like three years of building preference points. Then the fourth time we did, and we had a bet that we wouldn't do it until we got to go together the first time. Neither would go without the other. Now all bets are off. If I get it and he doesn't, <laughs> I'm going. Yeah, I'll it, call you. Right. So what happens? There are a lot of people. I think last time there was somewhere between fifty and eighty. Or stay around 50 that did not buy the permit even though they got drawn. So then it goes back into a, uh, a pool. A, yeah, a random. Uh, so the first one's random drawing. If that doesn't work, then they have it on a first come, first serve basis in a phase two. They they let you know the date and the time, and then you just it's a free for all. Yeah, first so, one in with that credit card number. Ching. Yeah, and you got to be fast because it happens in seconds. Oh, yeah. That's the way it used to be with a gator permit. Remember that? And it would be right. like you'd be fighting for so them. But. The first year, my brother and I, we got, after building up preference points, got it. The next year, we did it on the draw. Um, it wasn't the first time I did it on the on phase two. I did it in the previous year before my brother and I had ever been. But All because right. he didn't get it and because of our brotherly oath, I didn't go without him. My brother's a better, more dedicated hunter than I am. Uh, God love him. He plans a lot of our trips. Uh, he lives down in Pembroke Pines, South Florida. So we we often meet in the middle, you know, near the Everglades, sometimes up as high as Three Lakes for him. Usually during muzzleloader? Uh, muzzle, archery and muzzleloader is a lot of what we do, yeah. 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 And we, now this one here, uh, when you got there with uh, your brother, did he get to go this time with you? Oh, is, yeah. We did We did, 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 did 2017 uh, and 2019 together. Very nice. Yep. So and, uh, that's pretty cool. Even though you got to go, it just turned into, as Carlos pointed out, a glorified camping trip. Yeah, which was, <laughs> but and it's it's kind of funny. We ended up camping in this one spot. The guy next to us was from St. Pete, so now we're buddies. We're uh, going to try to do it all. That's, that's the awesome, other thing. Man. You can, you can also apply as a group of up to five people, and you get drawn. And even if say it's the last drawing, they got one left. All right, let's draw one more name. Oh, it's a group of five. Hey, and that's okay. They that's, will expand it, that's and awesome. everybody gets to go. Yeah, there's a group leader. Right, and and he's the one that you're under the number. Right, I've and done then, that in yeah. the past with a uh, with a friend of mine. But so, now, does everybody get to hunt, or just yeah? The, uh, if, they, guy? They, if you do it as a group, yes. And even if they are at one uh, one hundred and ninety nine, and they're drawing their two hundredth and final one, and it happens to be a five person group, they're like, okay, we're going to have two hundred and four hunters this time. Wow. Yeah. So they 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 keep it real simple that way. Uh, How many deer do they estimate are still left on the island? Well, I, I didn't get a good number this time because they're not sure anymore after the hurricane. But in the previous year, they estimated them to be around 115 to 120 mm-hmm. on the island. Remember, they started in, I think, 1904. It used to be a privately owned island. And That's the guy correct. that had it was bringing in exotic animals, not just the sandbar deer, which are from Southeast Asia and India. He was bringing zebras and all kinds of other stuff. Well, the only thing that really took were the sandbar. Sure. So there's over 100 and my impression from talking to some of the FWC officers is they try to keep that number around 100 because that's healthy, a healthy sustainable population, herd. sustainable yeah. herd. Yeah. yeah, that's a good idea. They do the same. There's also whitetail out there, too. So they have two three-day hunts for whitetail, also primitive, archery or muzzleloader only. Well, you know, I, I know that I'm going to tell you the devil's advocate on this one because, you know, in one hand, we're sitting here telling everybody to kill every iguana they see on the spot. But yet, in the uh, when it comes to the sandbar deer, it's like, hey, don't kill them all because you know we'd like to be able to hunt them for well, a while. The, well, there, well, there's, <laughs> there's it sounds like we need to make a group <laughs> thing, man. Uh, obviously, you can identify both as invasive species. They are but invasive. The, sam- the sandbar deer isn't hurting anyone or anything unless they overpopulate. And they're on an if, island that literally right. was 
there was nothing living on it until a guy brought him there. Yeah, it took like a Cat 4, Cat 5 hurricane to knock one off the island. Yeah, the mainland. I mean, seriously. Yeah. So it's, it's, not, it's not the same issue, and they're not damaging anything. The, the iguanas has become uh, an actual problem when you have to spend $1.8 million on repairs from the damage done by iguanas. Just in one city. Yeah, uh, just in West Palm well, Beach. It, it's not, hey, it, congratulations, Mr. Taxpayer. Guess yeah. who's paying for that? Yeah, yeah, they also eat, like, at golf courses, they eat all their flowers sure and, the, and, then, and, and, and all their stuff. poop is huge and it has salmonella oh yeah so that's that, right salmonella is another issue yeah yep really yep. oh yeah so they must really taste like chicken they're a, they're a definite <laughs> health hazard for human beings yeah you know my stance on them man pellet to the head pellet club baseball nine iron i don't care whatever it takes guitar like el gabon Flashback. All right, we're going to take a real quick break, you guys. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors brought to you by G5 Feeding Outdoors and, of course, our good friends out of Brandon Ford. Stay with us. We'll be back. Welcome back, everybody. Thinking Wild Outdoors, Braden and Carlos and Trainer in the uh, studio today. This is a nice little pocket knife you got here, buddy. Oh, that's a Sarge. I like that. Yeah, man, that's it's the a, that's it's a the, gentleman's type knife, nice the, and thin. That's the inexpensive, you know, yeah. knives. They make great knives. Look, I can. That's have why a, it explains why it opens like crap. I, I could have a Boker or a you what? Know. Boker? Yeah. What is this? Nineteen eighty-six. Where are your kicks? Oh, yeah. Bokers. <laughs> What's the other one? What's that? That's one? what you want what right there. Bench made. Okay. Yes, I bench made. I have a bench made when I was a rep. Boy, I, I start, like the, I like the Sergeant. Look, right there. Look at that. Look, a... gunmetal gray, $20, $20 knife. I got Good, like yeah. five of these. You know I what? Like Go it. give it to Shriner. See if he can open it. Whatever. Look. Look. I got massive. Yeah. Look, radio clown. Look. Yeah, so radio clown. That? Takes two hands to open a friggin' pocket knife. I don't I I don't need. Right why, here, why do bang, I have to do that? Bang, bang. Well, it's easy. It's done. Whatever. Yeah, well, that's because the other two have been confiscated at the airport. Those were little Swiss Army knives. It's no big deal. No, I had the flip opens. Whatever. Okay, the listeners don't want to hear the bickering. <laughs> Keep on. Shriner, some thanks for some making of, coffee, some buddy. Some of us do. Some of us hey, do. We, hey, we got our buddy Rick hey, Farid on the line. By the way, line. I, sh- I should have asked you, would you have preferred if I made the Bustello instead of just generic? Cl- Oh yeah, my gosh! Yeah, I would have I would have preferred that, but I'll, I'll, I'm okay, man. I'm I'll easy. do that before the show's over. I'm English. E- I'm, easy. I'm let's, easy. Let's go English here on the studio. All right, we got Rick on the line, man. Come on. Good morning, Rick. How are you, my friend? Good, good morning, fellas. Doing great. How are you doing? How was your coffee up, this morning? Uh, what what flavor did you have? Uh, I drink Cuban coffee every morning. Navieta. I, like, I like to hear that, man. I like to hear that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Does that have anything to do with your last name? No, man. Uh, it might, about this. but you know. It, Brewed right here in Tampa, or made right here in Tampa, Navietta. Yeah, Navietta. I don't know what that means. Rick's one of the good guys, man. <laughs> yeah, I know he is, and he's one of the best call makers on the planet. That's and, right. Uh, I know that uh, we're going to probably see you guys next Saturday uh, out there at the uh, Turkey Extravaganza. It's going to be a big time and a good time had by all. 
Uh, you it, were the, you, went, you went last year, and I remember you kind of busted me on it because G5 has theirs afterwards, and you guys were already there like the week or two before, and you're like, man, you need to come out for this thing next year. You need to come out for this thing next year. So we're going to be out there. We're going to be broadcasting live. We'll get to hang out with you guys. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's uh, We have doubled the vendors from last year for any of the listeners that went last year. Uh, we have 20 custom call makers coming from all over the southeast. Um, wildlife artist, uh, Daniel Butler is going to be there. If people are familiar with, uh, Daniel Butler and his father, Robert Butler, renowned Florida wildlife artist, Daniel will be there actually painting a painting live for everyone. Um, Sue Fletcher, another wildlife artist, um, custom jewelry. Uh, it's just going to be a ma- an amazing time. We got friends of the NRA just were added. Uh, they're going to be there. <clears throat> the, uh, NWTF state chapter is supplying the uh daisy bb gun range for kids that'll be awesome that's going to be great that we had that last year and it was a big hit um the ranch owners at true heart ranch if you've never been there beautiful place beautiful barn um they are uh supplying the food they're going to be food vendors there it's just going to be a really good time oh there is going to be food that's a good thing <laughs> yeah it's a good thing we had food I last like year but one. yeah they're yeah, I was worried yeah. there was no there was no mention of food on the uh, on the initial flyer that we put out and we uh, shared on our Facebook page, and that kind of concerned me. I was like, man, that means we have to stop at that cruddy little Pickwick or something on the way up well, there. We'll, we'll be we'll be there at seven a.m. Are you going to be there, Rick? Or I will be there. Well, actually, I'll be there the day before uh, setting up. All the vendors are coming in. Most of them the day before. So I will be there bright and early uh, at, at probably right about the same time. If you guys are going to get there, I'll be there at 7 a.m. Actually, we'll Saturday be there. Morning. We'll be there earlier than that because yeah, yeah, we have to true. set up the equipment. Set up. So, hey, right. con- by the way, congratulations, man! I know a couple of weeks ago I saw on Facebook, or we're friends on Facebook as well, and I, I saw that you placed in a, a competition. Your your call. I, I did uh, the Mountain State Championship. My scratch boxes took first and second place, and then in the World Championships. One of my, which is in Ohio, one of my scratch boxes took fifth place. Awesome. And that wasn't even, you weren't even doing it. That was somebody else using it. The, that's a panel of five judges that run yeah. your calls. Yeah, yeah. that's what's right. so funny is it's like if you were a custom rod uh, rod maker or a rifle builder and, and somebody went out and shot the world record uh, moose with your rifle. I mean, that's that kind of recognition. Yeah, and he, that's and he, awesome. And let me tell you, he, he not a lot of guys make scratch boxes, really. No, and uh, no, that's, no, it's a it's a unique call for sure. Well, you know, but it's one of the ones that uh, if you grew up here in Florida, you were at least you know familiar them. with because you know yep. uh, there's an old name from way back that you know the Gatskins that everybody had was kind of that same kind of boxy thing that was one of the first calls I ever owned. Well, how'd you get into that one, um, Rick? I'm curious. Um, I. I uh, lifelong turkey hunter, but uh, just a hot, you know, a hobby woodworker. And I was on a turkey hunt in Georgia. This is exactly how it started with my dad. And we walked into a little general store and they had a little handmade cedar custom, you know, box call. The guy was selling them there in the general store that some friend of his had made. And I looked at it and I looked at it and I told my dad, I said, I can build one of these and went home and I built one that looked just like a turkey call. Like a box call. Do you it remember? didn't sound anything like a turkey. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, did it sound anything like the one that you thought it was going to sound like? Yeah, you could no, call, not you at could all. Use the ones I, wish I, I wish I had some of my original ones because it's definitely progressed over the 25 years that I've been making them. 
Um, but it's a it's a lifelong learning process it, you, it, uh, when you make them. Now I know you you Rick uh, you do it strictly with uh, wood and things like that. But have you ever tried any other product, uh, plastic or anything else like that? I know there are some calls that are uh, you know our carbon fiber or things like that at all. I have not. Um, you know, well, we have a renowned Florida call maker uh, uh, that lives in Sanford, Florida, um, Tim Sanford, that makes from rut and strut game calls. He does a carbon fiber call, and he's been he's the original of that. So, you know, like things like that, uh, you kind of shy away from something that another custom maker has already done and sure. when it's something that's that unique because that's, you know, they came up with it. Yeah, yeah. Rick, um, Rick uses, like, African babinga. Or something like that. I, I do use I do use a lot of exotic woods in my yeah. calls. That's true. But they still yeah. have to sound good, but that helps them look pretty as well. Well, I, it's not that they not just not only are they pretty to look at, but they're also extremely functional. And I think if anybody's never used one, um, they don't know just how well they sound. I, I mean, I've I, never I've never used one. I, I don't have one. I've, I've been just, a fan of. Uh, you have one? I, I, I not like this one. Not like uh-huh. his. Are you kidding? Those things are. I'm one of those people that's almost too pretty to take it out in the woods, and of course Rick would be Pete. He'd be mad at me for not using it, like Charlie Oaks. You buy one of his knives, and he goes, "Where's my knife?" And you go, "What's well, in the gun safe? What the hell's it doing in the gun safe? I built it to use." You know, even though it might be pretty, go use the darn thing. Mm. And uh, I, if you haven't used one like his, the amount of pitches and the amount of changes in the tone you can get just in what—they're like four or five inches long. I mean, they're not real uh, about long. five inches long on, yeah. on one of my scratch boxes. There's lots of different designs, but yes, and the, you, you do get uh, depending on how you play it and where you play it on the call. You can get definitely get different pitches and tones, and um, you know, scratch box. There's there's a learning curve, like a mouth call that not everybody can run, but um, it's it's like you said, a unique call that they're not commercially made. You can't go to Bass Pro Shops, for example, and buy a scratch box. You won't find one. Nope. And they're all handmade, <clears throat> so it's a, it's a unique call in the woods that turkeys have not heard. Uh, every turkey in the woods in, it, where you hunt has heard a box call and a pot call. Yeah. Uh, but scratch boxes are like wingbone calls. Not many people yep. make them or run them, and they're a unique call. And they're a good call. And if you know how to use them, without get, you have to get over that little tingle buzz thing you get in your lip and it makes, you wanna, exactly. makes you want to scratch. But um, the good thing I like about the scratch box calls, like even the old Gatskins calls, is that not only can you use them when you need to, but the the sound that you get out of them is almost like a richer tone. But yet, if you get towards the end, you can get a really high pitch out of them that carries extremely far on windy days, almost like if you had like an aluminum uh, pot call. Absolutely. So, I mean, you, yeah. can, you can get the distance that you need on in certain areas of it, and you can also get the quiet rich, you know, motherly hen, you know, kind of cluck and purr when they're a little bit closer kind of deal. It's a Most pretty, definitely. Yeah. Uh, my scratch, uh, the, the one that I made for myself and, and used myself, that's one of my, my afternoon, you know, if you're on an afternoon hunt, birds are not as vocal, and it's uh, it, it probably clucks as well as any turkey call ever made, and that's my afternoon go-to call trying not to overcall and I make myself use the scratch box so that you don't, you know, we love to hear ourselves call, but birds don't necessarily call that much in the wild. That's true. And I just sit in the afternoon and cluck on it. Yeah. Just a few clucks and scratch the leaves. And it's a, it can be a a, a deadly call. If you have to make a lot of noise, if you feel like you must be doing something, then I would sit there and just say, just sit there and purr. 
Just purr. Just Absolutely. Purr. Especially especially if you're hunting birds in Florida. Yeah. Well, hey, don't go anywhere. I want to talk to you. We'll talk about more of the events when we come back. Is that okay? Okay. Don't go anywhere, Rick. All right. We're talking with Rick Verlita, of course, a great call maker here in the state of Florida who will be out at the big turkey giant uh, extravaganza next weekend. Stay with us. We're going to take a real fast break. We are the Big and Wild Outdoors, brought to you by G5 Feeding Outdoors and Brandon Ford. Stay with us. We'll be right back. That's, that's awfully happy music. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. It's We're a happy bunch. Big little, and wild outdoors. Oh, it's little feet. It is. Little feet, let it roll. <laughs> but every time I hear this song, you know, for some reason it reminds me of uh, Caddyshack. Holiday roll. Oh, what's that? Uh, what was that? Yeah. No, that's vacation, isn't it? I yeah, yeah I think it's uh, Chevy Chase vacation. Some Chevy Chase, but I don't remember. Don't sing. Uh, Rick Felita's on the phone. Ferlita's on the phone. He's a big-time uh, call maker here in the state of Florida. And, of course, he's also going to be out at the, uh, let me get this right, the Florida Wild Turkey Extravaganza Sports Show. That's correct. That's the official title. And it's going to be happening next weekend at the True Heart Ranch in Webster, Florida. And uh, if you don't know how to get there, it's pretty easy. Uh, just go north on 75 and you take a right, and then you take a left, and then you take a right, and then you hook back around through again, and then you're there at the gate. That's that's about right, too. Yeah, it's pretty easy. <laughs> it's not that hard to get to. <laughs> or you can just giggle it or whatever it is you want to do to search it. Or as uh, as uh, Carlos would do, he plops it all into his GPS, and it'll take him somewhere about five miles out of his way. I'll find it, though. Cubans find everything. <clears throat> sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But now Rick is going to be one of the many who are going to be out there showing their hoyers. Uh, in other words, their custom-made, hand-built, uh, hand-polished, and loved uh, turkey calls of all kinds. Uh, your uh, big one, of course, is a scratch box friction-type uh, call that everybody knows you for. You don't make Correct. any other ones, do you? You don't make any slide oh, I do. No. I make uh, I make box calls and I make trough calls. Oh yeah, the I trough ones are pretty nice too. I didn't, I didn't too. know that. What do you yep. mean you didn't know? Don't you follow him on Facebook? Don't you see all the stuff he posts yeah, all the but time? I, just, I thought you know I look at the scratch boxes, man. That's all. Oh, that, that's it. That's seen. all you're interested in. Yeah, I thought he was exclusive. <clears throat> okay, whatever. But nope. no, there's going to be uh, other call makers out there, and, and and believe it or not, if you go to our Facebook page. It's easier to read them all for, than for me to sit here and actually name them all because it is literally, if you think about the proportions of a Facebook page, it's about uh, eight inches long of nothing but names. <laughs> That's yeah. We we have we like I said we have over twenty almost twenty. I think we have, we're at nineteen right now. Uh, call makers all from the southeast, uh, most of them from right here in Florida, which is fantastic. Right. Um, but every kind of turkey call that you could use in the woods, as we've already talked about scratch boxes, we have guys that make box calls, uh, trumpet calls. Hand Jeff Herb will be there with hand-turned trumpet calls, um, custom wing bone calls. Uh, Scott Ellis, which anybody in the state of Florida that knows anything about turkey hunting knows Scott Ellis, uh, world champion turkey caller, will be there with Hunt Quest yep. and his custom-made mouth calls. Yeah, he's, um, he's the my one, other thermosol brother. Absolutely, absolutely. What will we ever do without a thermocell now? I don't think I could hunt anymore without one. Nope. Um, 
but just every single type of turkey call that you could imagine um, that, that is made for the most part uh, will be there. And uh, all of them, of course, like you said, handmade custom calls. None of these are production calls. Um, some of these, uh, some of the names that if, if people that are turkey hunters and follow turkey calls, um, names like Pecker Wrecker Turkey Calls, which is Kevin Farr from Georgia, one of the most renowned pot call makers, glass, aluminum, slate, uh, in, in the country. So we've, we, we've really amped it up this year for our second year. Yeah, and, and it's going to be absolutely free. That's one thing you want to get out there, uh, free parking, absolutely. free admission. So all you got to do is just show up and uh, have a good time. Bring the kids. It's a kid-friendly event for sure. Plenty of, room to, plenty of room to run around. Uh, it's not like you're confined inside of a barn somewhere. I know that uh, they're going to have the barn opened up in case – I think that's where the food and everything is going to be. But for the most part – you guys are out there just uh, kind of – it's it's one of the best times to get one-on-one conversation with some of the best, greatest call makers in the country. I mean, seriously. You could talk turkey. Yep. You could learn how to call. You could learn how to use new calls. I mean, it's – How it's, do you do it? What are your techniques? Yep. Where do you go? What do I do in the rain? What do I do when it's windy? What do I do when, yep. uh, you know, it's, it's freezing cold and I'm not getting any reaction or whatever? I mean, uh, you couldn't have a better mind uh, – a mind group of guys out there to be able to pick from. That's for sure. Yep, I agree. Because they, they go all over the place. I mean, we're not talking about just Florida turkey hunters. We're talking about guys who go all over the place, go to Georgia, Missouri, uh, out west, whatever, Texas, and hunt turkeys everywhere. The only one I'd love to see, because I don't think anybody ever makes one, because I don't know if they work or not, is for the oscillated turkey. Has anyone ever made a turkey call? That successfully they, those, calls in oscillated those, turkeys. Those whistle. Yeah, that's it's a totally different. It's a, they it's look like more a like a peacock than a turkey, but that's yeah. a whole different way to hunt it. It's not a not the turkey calls that we sell would work for the oscillated. Yeah. I guess I guess maybe you'd use a pintail call or something. It's, it's for a, that. I've seen it before. It's like a whistle. I, that's on my bucket list. I mean, I, I've taken two goulds in Mexico, but that's like our conventional turkeys. You just use. I was running. I was running the big and wild call you guys gave me and another one from my friend uh, Don Phillips that made me one. I was running those two over there. And well, I they're Rios, both. right? Um, no, they're, these, are in the mount- they're- these are in the mountains, man. Yeah, but they're-, they're Rios. They're Rio turkeys, the same ones that are in South Texas. I, I, don't, know no. their, I don't know their genus. No, I'm not yeah. talking about no. the oscillated. I'm talking about the, the Mexican ones. The ghouls. The yeah. ghouls, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. the ghouls, it, ghouls is, a different, is a different subspecies of our five subspecies. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were still they, talking about just regular Rios. No, they're, I didn't they're hear lo- the Goulds they're, part. They're larger, and uh, it, if anybody gets a chance, it's it's an amazing hunt. You know what? And talking to turkey hunters from uh, all walks of life, they will always tell you. It always seems like, what is the mystique, and why is it so much harder to kill an Osceola than it is to kill any other ones out there? Everybody else says they were easy peasy compared to an Osceola. I don't know. Um, what it, I don't know what it is. I can't pinpoint it, but. Rick, do you have a comment on that? Well, one one reason they're harder to kill is there's only one place to kill them. Um, so just just getting an os, uh, an Osceola hunt under your belt is difficult if you don't live in the state of Florida. Yeah, trying to find um, a spot. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, I've 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 uh, I've hunted all over the country, um, and they are definitely the most difficult bird to kill because of the way they react to calling. They they tend to not gobble as very much once they hit the ground. And there's exceptions to all of these. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll right. gobble on the roost just like a normal bird, but 
nothing like a Rio in Texas um, or a Miriam's out west. But when they hit the ground, they have a particular place they're going to go, and you kind of need to be where they're going to go or in between there. And they don't gobble a lot on the ground. Yeah. Um, I've, I've hunted true wild South Florida Osceola swamp birds, and most of the ones I've ever killed down there, I never heard them gobble, which you, makes it very, very difficult. It's more Osceola hunting is more of a deer hunt type scenario than it is a run and gun type for a Rio or a, or a, or an Eastern. Yeah, and I've also noticed, and I don't know if it's biology or what, but they're they are more dedicated to their females uh, when they're around them than than a lot of other birds. I don't know if it's. Uh, their nature or, like I said, genetics or whatever, because you have birds, if there are hens lined up or they're around them, it takes an awful lot to pull them away from them oh, girls. I, I, it's very a, a hard ton. to pull them away. Where Easterns, yeah. it hey. seems like they're all uh, uh, hound dogs when it comes to that. You know, you got some other chick over in the bushes, you know, going, hey, I'm over here. They kind of like run over to see why she's not, you know, hanging out at the burger joint. But Osceola's, if the girls are around, especially if they're, you know, lined up to to be bred, dude. We, they're not going listen, nowhere. We, we nowhere. had one. We had a hen behind us, a real hen calling, and then we were calling. That was we were hunting with Scott, and he Ford, didn't want nothing to do with it. And he didn't come over. He stayed with his group of hens, and they went off into the only time the I ever saw one that came running in, uh, looking to be uh, to be a dominant bird type situation. I was uh, hunting with a guy up around Brooksville. And we tried every call in the book, and he said, that's it. I'm going to have to start a fight. And he basically started a, a chick fight, two two hens fighting. And that was the only thing that broke him away and brought him over, was to go see why these two girls were fighting, and he wasn't a part of it. So oh, wow. That was it. It's it's so weird how they they get dedicated to their females, and they don't leave. Yep. Well, I agree. Well, I would say that the turkey extravaganza happening next weekend would be a good place to – Go out and test your calls. Go out and see what you like and walk away with a bunch of them because it's going to be a good time had by all. It's from 1 until uh, 9 o'clock until nine, 4 o'clock. 9 o'clock until nine 4. To 4. Free parking, free admission, food there, and uh, tons and tons of call makers that will be there for your enjoyment. Yep. Absolutely. It's going to be a great time at the ranch. Well, Rick, we'll see you out there next weekend, okay, my friend? Okay, fellas. See nice you there, talking man. to you. Yeah, right. stop by okay. and pick up some donuts. You're going to be there early. <laughs> I'll, I'll see you. Uh, right. yeah. See ya. Jumped out of there real quick. Rick Ferlita, of course, uh, one of the best call makers here in the state of Florida. We'll see him next Saturday. We hope we'll see you there. We're going to take a real quick break for the uh, top of the hour. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors. We're brought to you by our good friends out of G5 Feeding Outdoors. And Brandon Ford, stay with us. We'll be back. Welcome back, everybody. Got a little bit of time before the top of the hour, so I would just like to go on record and thank Shriner for starting a fight during the break. Yeah, thanks, Shriner. <laughs> Bringing up about four other subjects that uh, would literally mean we'd have to stay on the air for about another three hours to get through. And I got a shout-out for my my only fan. Ed? Ed, Edward Edridge, yeah. He sent me a text early in the morning. So, actually, I have two. I have two fans. <laughs> okay, keep going. Who's the other one? Your wife? No, my, Michael Boyette. Oh, shout Michael out, Boyette? Sh- shout out to him, too. Yeah. Yeah, so. the only two who care. <laughs> hey, 
But I got one or two, man. You know, it's really sad that you, <laughs> it's sad that you, didn't even, you didn't even mention your wife. My wife, my biggest fan, my wife. No, At least Jonathan can get on here and go, no, my she, mom, my dad, my no, wife, everybody. She, you know, she's on a cruise in the Bahamas with her sister and some friends. So, Oh, it's true. You're the last thought on her mind. Yeah, forget about it. Yeah, well, uh, of course, the next hour we'll try to jam in as much as we can. Uh, I mean. Man. We got the uh, kid with the needlefish in the neck. We got uh, mountain lion attacks. We got coyotes getting killed with bare hands. We got uh, gun legislation up in Virginia. Gun legislation being uh, whispered around in the state of Florida to close the loophole here in the state. And um, what else? I mean. Bill George texting. Bill George, yeah, he's got nothing better to do. He's supposed to be out alligator hunting. Come I'm on. I'm glad, he, I'm glad the signal's bad there. The other one was uh, the amount of the amount of flack that the FWC has taken. Uh, uh, I mean, not the FWC, the National Wild Turkey Federation for a letter they released. Uh, I mean, that started a big fight, and then of course the the CRP land, you know, the federal rolling it back that uh, farmers now have control over their own property. How about the thing our friend Chuck you know? E started with uh, sandhill crane hunting in Florida? Oh, that was yeah, that, that was, was a couple good, weeks ago. That, that was, was a good. good one. That was a good one. They actually Wait, aren't, aren't sandhill cranes like called the sirloin of the sky or something? Ribeye, like ribeye rib in the, the sky, sky. Yeah. ribeye in the sky, which and I which it, I want to taste like the iguana. Well, you'll have to go to Texas and shoot one because it's not I legal learned, here. I learned that from Steve Ranella. <laughs> That's yeah. what he's called. They are in the, the sky. Yeah. Ribeye yeah. in the sky. That was a good show. He yeah. just made a mention of it at an FWC meeting, and one of the animal rights people that was in the audience went berserk. Literally before he was even done speaking about it. Had posted on his webpage, had started a change.org petition to stop the FWC from even considering considering uh, a sandhill crane hunt in the state of Florida. Literally before Chuck was even done at the podium, yeah. he was already there and he had him, and we're blasting him over that. Oh, they so. went they went berserk. He got death threats. He got all sorts of yeah, stuff that's going the, on. That's the weird thing. When you resort to death threats, you have lost all respectability. You yeah, have, you have no point in being you, involved in the conversation. But, but you anymore. know what? What's a, what's wrong with these people? That if you had a puppy or a baby, right next they'll to save each the other, puppy and kill the, the baby. They'll save the damn puppy. And, and yeah. so, what's wrong with them? They right. have uh, they have a chromosome that's <laughs> backwards. I had a, I had a, my, now my show is a little more political and topical, not narrowed outdoors one I do during uh, the week from 11 to 11 to 1. I'm going to have to call I had, a, I had a woman call in yesterday, 18 years old. I had just mentioned Bernie Sanders, and she called in to pin me to the wall for being a jerk. And I hadn't even said what it was yet. I just had indicated that he'd come out with a plan to eliminate the student loan debt, and then right. he was, he was going to steal from people basically what he's going to do. It's like going to take money from your from any investments you make any 401k, things like that, it was going to pull money from your investments for your retirement to pay for $1.6 trillion. I didn't even get to it, and she's on there calling me a liar, and I have a narrative, and I said, well, tell me one thing that I have was a lie. She goes, well, you said I shouldn't go to college. I should work and save the money and go to college in two years when I save the money, and that's a lie. And I'm like, no, that's one <laughs> legitimate avenue. And then, so here's the thing. Like what we would have to do it's if we wanted example. a brand new bicycle right, or, or something as a kid. Right. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Del delayed gratification and earning something for yourself are horrible things, right? My point <laughs> being is that when people are not open-minded, and this does happen more on the left, more on people who think they're compassionate, instead of making sacrifices, they're doing things that make them feel good and righteous and that everybody else is wrong, and that happens a lot when it comes to things like hunting or yeah. the environment, because you're putting conservation. Feelings. 
they don't understand the issue. They have a feeling and they run with it. There's yeah, a lot of there's a lot of sheeps and a yeah. lot of followers. That's well, what the I thing see. is, the also the thing I find a lot of them do is they put feelings, their feelings, into an animal. Right. So they're like, well, I had a running a little argument uh, on a Facebook page with a woman over in England, who was giving me the whole, you know. Uh, no, you don't need God. You don't need all this other stuff. And I said, well, you know, you may go with that premise, but, you know, she was saying that why would God give animals feelings if, if we were supposed to eat them? I said, well, feelings are an indication of pain. It's a survival mode type thing or something where you learn a lesson from. But there's no rationality behind it. It's just, you know, what she feels, and that's the only way it's got to be. Right. And I just never could understand that. I don't know. It's one of those things that uh, could be an endless conversation, and this would have to be a nine-hour show. We're going to take a break. It is the top of the hour. Hour three is right around the corner.